welcome everybody to live Q&A by Brain Power Training. And uh, it's my pleasure today to have Cecile Heath with us today. Hello, Cecile. Hi, Nina. How are you? Very well, thank you, Cecile. It's great to have you here. You're one of our Sydney-based facilitators. And I'd just like to tell everybody a little bit about your background, which is quite impressive, really. <laughs> thank you. You specialise in helping companies reach their goals, and so does Brain Power Training. And you're a former principal of the very prestigious uh, training organisation, Rogen. Rogen? That's right, yes. Rogen International, right. the soft G. And you managed a team of trainers, you looked after their sales, like made sure that they got sales results. You looked after the quality assurance in many respects, like I do with my facilitators around the country. So uh, that is a, a, a job that requires a great deal of expertise and a great deal of um, insight. So uh, I'm so happy that you're available to, to, uh, to our clients. Now you graduated as a computer science, a science right. and yes. your early career was involved in presenting on IT uh, topics and uh, doing sales, sales and training. And right. you've got such an extensive track record with some blue chip clients so um on your accreditations you've got the predictive index strength deployment inventory nlp louis allen worldwide management system and currently conflict resolution so you've got quite a few feathers in your cap cecile <laughs> yes and i love to learn more too yeah uh yeah i i i'm i have what the french call soif which is french for thirst thirst for knowledge yeah sounds like you do too yeah. well Today's topic is uh, why should a team, and that's my question for you, Cecile, mm -hmm. now, why should a team have its own vision and mission statements? It's a really good thing to unpack to people that are listening. And there's a few reasons why it's important. The first one is that invariably an organisation has a, a mission and a vision. Very often for a team, depending on how far away they are, from that, you know, that top level of the organisation, it doesn't resonate with them. They don't get where they fit in. And like if, if, the, if, if it's something huge, like you know, we increase shareholder value, well, if you're sitting there behind your computer and you're doing accounting or, or customer service, well, how am I doing that? And that's where the idea came from, that we need to actually create missions and visions for teams so that they understand how it adds up to that overarching mission and vision of the organisation. Absolutely. And coincidentally, after we decided this would be the topic for our live Q&A, I had uh, contact with uh, someone from a very large uh, government department in regional Australia where they have the, the, the whole of organization mission statement is around we provide you know great health and well-being to the community and all these lovely motherhood statements about the big organization. But now we're talking about the IT department where they're they're not being friendly, they're um, they're what's the word they're sticking to policy. If people have an IT problem they say they, and they're, they're actually on site fixing it, they won't actually add that to what they're fixing. They'll say, oh, put it in as a ticket and they have to come back and fix it another time. So they're not 
uh, cutting red tape or they're sticking <laughs> to the rules. And it's like, well, they need their own vision, mission and service statement about, you know, we give friendly service and we can, we can um, uh, bend over backwards to help a client, we can educate them, all that. That's got nothing to do with the overarching principle of the big organisation. So exactly you probably right. have a, your own anecdotes and case studies around that. Sure do. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, what exactly is the difference between a vision statement and a mission statement? So many people get confused by that, and it's, and it's, really, it's really simple. The mission statement is what you do. So if you make widgets or Google's got a, a really clear mission statement, which is how they provide access to data. And then the vision statement is the aspiration on, well, where do we want to get to? Mission, what we do, vision, where we want to get to. And again, Google is another great example. Their vision is to have, it's about access to information still, but it's with the, the press at one key. Mm -hmm. And so when you've been um, working with a team, do you work on both? I like, I understand you might do it over two half day sessions or, or one full day session. Mm -hmm. um, would you separate them and say, we're going to work on vision now and we'll work on mission later? Or are you working on both at the same time? You do work on them separately, although in right. the, the process that I use, you can certainly get it done in one session. It's what comes next after you've got your mission, your mission and your vision. You then have to unpack, well, that's all nice, but now what are the, what are the strategic pillars? So what, 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 are we, what are the things that we're going to focus on in our business? And then how do we behave to achieve those things? So that, that certainly the mission and the vision can be done in, in, in one session. And do you make reference to any frameworks like um, SWOT or, I mean, I, I'm not the expert here, but what sort of frameworks might you um, connect them with to think about this? Yes, yeah, there, there is a, 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 what I call a breakthrough thinking process that is used because what's so important when you're developing a mission and a vision is that everybody owns it and it's not done by the leaders and then done to the team, so to speak. So you take them through a, a process of a very important question. It's the way that the question is asked mm. is so important. And what I found is that we, we have to differentiate first between what mission is and what vision is. Typically provide an example. I often use the Google example because it's so clear cut. And then we'll also show them their own business's mission statement and say, okay, so we're this team. What is our mission in the context of what we do as an organisation? Here's our mission organisationally. What does our team do in light of that vision? And I get the breakthrough thinking process is that then everyone silently brainstorms for five minutes the answers to those questions. They, they do solo brainstorming. Yeah, that's... Right. In silence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, research shows that you get a much better result if you allow time for people to do solo thinking first and mm -hmm. then share with the group, especially if you've got highly verbal speakers that dominate... Yes. And the introverts just need time without any right. sound at all to get, get right. their ideas out of their head. And exactly. isn't it important that there be conversational equality? 
Yes. Oh, yes. Because if they don't own it, then forget it. Now, you did mention that you might have a case study. Was that the Google one or...? Uh, no, it's not. A, it's, it's no. It's it's a, a client that uh, I worked with a couple of weeks ago right. in the finance industry, and the we we took them through the process, and it was it was so good. The outcome was just incredible. Worked with the leadership team initially, and what we did was, and it was it's a reasonably it was an eight people in the, the leadership team. And the way that we did it was that we came up with two mission statements and two vision statements. Hmm. And then the second half of the session was when the rest of the team came along, which was around about 20 people, I think it was. And the two mission statements were presented, the two vision statements were presented, and we went through a voting process. That's really good. That's really good. Now, what about the people that were absent? <laughs> Do they just have to live with it? Uh, well, I, I guess you'd have to say that people that, that couldn't come to the session would have to live with it. But what, as we did with the, the, the group that came in with those two visions and, and two mission statements, before the decision was made, and, and, and by the way, this was all done virtually, before the decision was made, we broke them, put them into breakout rooms, as you can do via Zoom, and they had discussions with the leaders and asked questions on how did they come to the mission? Let, let's, we, we also took them through the, not through the process of the silent brainstorm and so on, but the process was explained, the difference between the mission and the vision, the Google example, their own business. Here's what we've come to. We want your input into this. So there were lots of questions and then there was, and even once the decision was made, there was a, a small amount of wordsmithing that was done then. Now, um, I've, I've also seen organisations do values statements. Is that different yet again? Well, it, okay, that, that, that falls out of the process. Yeah. So in the, in the case study that, I, that I, I've been referring to, what we did next was the strategic priority. So here's our mission and our vision. Here's what we need to focus on for, because they took their vision out 18 months, right. 18 months to two years. So here are the strategic priorities that we have to, have to set. And then we developed, you could have called it value statements, but what we did was a, a team charter of how we are going to work together. And so it was things like communication was very important. How, how do we behave? What happens when we have a disagreement here? You know, how do we work with our stakeholders? So all that came out of it as well. It was a huge day. Like, well, a huge second half. I yeah, say. I was going to say, well, when you say how do we uh, resolve disagreements, I mean, I've seen value statements that have these motherhood keywords, you know, like respect, integrity, collaboration. And I'm going, well, what happens if you've got a team member that isn't, isn't following that and who actually decides whether they are or whether they're not? That's exactly right. And that's where, and I actually learnt this just going somewhere else. I learnt this from helping teams in a number of organisations move to that agile working environment. I don't mean agile is in IT agile. I mean agile as in, you know, the, the whole hot desking and working from 
different locations and, oh. and, and so on. Mm -hmm. And so they developed, this is where this concept of a team charter came from. Right. So that it was like, here are our team norms. This norms. is how we are. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest ones, particularly in an agile environment, is to call out the behaviour. Oh. But you have to do it in a way that is safe. That's exactly right. So now, how did you do that? Did you have to set up a process? It was a very simple communication structure. Right. I mean, I've, I've heard of BFIR, uh, behaviour, feeling, impact, result. Like when you very came late to the meeting, I felt frustrated. Uh, and what it meant was we had to repeat what we were saying. And what I'd like to see in future is that you turn up uh, a couple of minutes before we start. That's like a very basic template. Yeah. Is that the sort of... That's exactly the sort of thing. Uh, what we also did in there, instead of tell the behaviour, because yes. some of these were very, very senior groups, it was also ask to get the behaviour. What would you do differently? Like, given that these are our, this is the way that we're working, what could you do differently? So how would, this is very timely because this question came up with a, a, a client yesterday. How would someone referring to their peer how would they deal with that? Do they go up the chain to their manager and say, I'm having this problem and I want to call out their behaviour? Or do they deal with their colleague first and hope that their colleague is open to what they have to say or what they're, what they're experiencing? That is one of the most difficult questions. So let, let me answer it twofold. Right. Firstly, all the organisations that I work with now are very much about, we're not gonna go through this up and down thing, like escalate it up and then back down. We want you to deal with this at peer level, right. particularly where we've got psychological safety and, and those sorts of things that are very important for many organisations. You must be able to, to work at dealing with this at peer level, not only at peer level, but also up, mm. also up. Yeah. And so it's the educating people and how to do that and creating the courage. I mean, how many organisations do you know that have got values of courage? Okay, so let's make courage real and call out a behaviour that does not support courage in our workplace. Is there anything more you can tell us about um, other companies that you've worked with where they've, they've created the vision and mission and then maybe there were behavioural roadblocks, you know, people not taking it on board and operating according to the old norms mm -hmm. and the company wants the vision and mission to reflect some new norms? Mm. Yes. Again, going back to an example of a couple of weeks ago, there's a, there's a number of stages to this because, as you know, behaviour change can take, take time. Yeah. And so in, in terms of the process, the process is about getting people to buy in in the first place. So that's number, number one, so that involvement. Number two, at the end of the session, there was an open forum with no, no names or anything like that, where it was just share screen. What are you going to start doing? What are you going to stop doing? What are you going to continue doing? So that it's been around for so long. And uh, then there's follow-up sessions with the, with the team. And what is also being, a few people said, look, I don't know that I'm going to be comfortable to call out when I should. And yeah. so that, that is something that's going to be addressed. And that, that will have to be addressed in some 
mindset and skill. Yes, because it seems to me that you'd, uh, in my experience, even like sharing a house, you know, when I was a university student, it's not enough to have a conversation in passing. It's more important to say, I'd like to have a meeting, whether mm -hmm. it be one-on-one -on -one or one to, to a group, where we discuss certain issues. I've got a few issues I'd like to discuss. And just creating that space where you're saying, I'm going to bring some issues that I've got. I don't want to do it right now. I want to set up a time when it's convenient and we're focused on that. Is that kind yes. of what's important? Yes. Yes, definitely. And also because we're, we're tending to go negative at the moment with the negative behaviour, what I want to also point out is that we make a, a, big, a big component of recognising behaviours that support the team mission and vision. Ah, so that, and yeah. up to the leader to kind of identify those and maybe acknowledge yeah. in, in front of everybody, you know, uh, compliment yeah, I learned many years ago in one of the, the, the leadership program they got accredited in, it was called DR Squared, Direct Reports Deserve Recognition. Right. And research actually shows that it's one of the most underutilised of all leadership skills to give people positive feedback. We're really good at telling them everything that they do wrong, but we're not as good as saying, hey, you know what, in that presentation the other day, and it's very, you've got to be very specific, the way that you answered the question on X, really, I could see really made the, the client feel so comfortable. Well oh, done. Now that's very interesting, Cecile. It's, it's not about saying how you handled yourself at that meeting was good. So especially when you did uh, this behaviour or said this phrase, giving yeah. something specific that they did well, that's mm. good. Because do you think some performance... Um, performance review meetings tend to focus on the negative that they want to correct? <sighs> Look, for so long now, I've worked very much on the, you know, that feedback, not that sandwich thing, not that thing, more about what are you doing well? What do you want to improve? What are the actions that we take away from this? And it could be from the what you've done well because you want to keep being able to do that, or it could well be from the, this is what I want to improve, so here's what I want to work on. So, And this is a question for guests as well, if you want to put the answer in the chat box. I'm just wondering, do some managers default to using performance feedback sessions, one-on-one -on -one or whatever, to just telling them, telling the direct report what, they, what they're doing wrong or what they don't like they're doing? And do you think they sometimes forget that compliments and uh, positive reinforcement is just as, just as important? I, I think we do, personally, I think we do tend to, to go on the, on the negative side because it's so much, it's easier and we can, as a leader, you may think I can get some quick wins here. And we often don't hear the good stuff. And a, a colleague of mine gave me some great feedback the other day. And I tell you what, I have walked around with a smile on my face for a week because it was something that was really important that we needed to get right. And I got this fabulous feedback and I have just felt brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing. If people say the right thing at the right time, it can really uplift you. And I think that's where managers forget that they have this really important motivation role to play, you know. And people are not robots. Um, yes. And the other mistake that I've, I've personally discovered is that sometimes managers go, oh, they're good, so I'll leave them alone to do a good job. 
and they focus maybe on the beginners, like new people to the organisation or the people that need help, and they forget the people that are just doing a good job, they also need attention. That's right. Or their motivation will go down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They'll, you know that the skill will matrix thing? Yes. Fall, fall out of that top box easily. Yeah. Well, look, we, we, we like to keep these live Q&As short and snappy. So we've, we've gone to about 22 minutes. So if there's any, uh, if there are any questions post this event that uh, attendees would like to have the answer to, feel free to uh, email me uh, through info at brainpowertraining.com.au. Thank you very much, Cecile, for joining My us pleasure. today. And uh, thank you to our guests and uh, all the best. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.